Hi, this is Matt Shaw, pastor at City Lift Church. If you're in the Fort Lauderdale area, we'd love for you to come visit us on a Sunday sometime or join us online, citylift.church. We hope today's message fills you with courage and helps you on your spiritual journey. We exist just to help people meet, know, and follow Jesus. Enjoy today's message. Uh, why don't you turn to two or three people, let them know they look cuter after worship. Come on, this is something we do every week. It's, that's a good thing to prophesy over each other. But like, what you doing for moisturizing? Yo, it's August. It's August. Today, my wife and I celebrate 18 years of marriage. Today is our anniversary. She is coming to the second service, uh, which is crazy. It doesn't feel like 18 years to me. It probably does to her. She's the one that gave birth to four kids and put up with me every week, but it doesn't feel that long to me. Uh, I am excited today. We're going to preach a message today called, uh, Where is God in my circumstance? Where is God in my circumstance? You all are going to love today's message. Get your notes out if you can and uh, take, take some notes. We're going to start in Matthew chapter 8. If you don't know me, my name is Matt. We planted this church a few years ago, ran into this little thing called COVID, and we've rebounded, and God is good. Matthew chapter 8, I'd like to start reading in verse 23. Then he, speaking of Jesus, got into the boat and his disciples followed him. Verse 24, suddenly, everybody say suddenly. A furious storm came up on the lake so that the wave swept over the boat, but Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him saying, Lord, save us, we are going to drown. He replied, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. The men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this that even the winds and the waves obey him? Even the winds and the waves obey him. A couple of weeks ago, my wife had a chance to preach at a conference, and uh, I'm not going to be doing any hula hooping today. I was never good at it as a kid, definitely not now. I just don't have the hips for it. And a pastor went up, and they had multiple speakers in the conference, and this pastor had been in ministry for probably 40 40-some years. Uh, he was in his 70s and, and uh, transitioning the church, and, and, but everybody had 20 minutes to talk, and, and he, was my, he was my all-time favorite. Man of God, just about 20 minutes to the west of, of where we're at, and uh, beautiful church, beautiful story. They have a school, and faithful, faithful guy in ministry, and just he dropped a lot of wisdom, and he said that he opened up these guys, I want to tell my testimony in the last year and a half, and in the last year and a half, he lost six family members including his wife of, of almost 30-some years. And three of them were COVID. Uh, one was a spiritual son that went in for like a routine surgery and, and never came back out of the hospital. And so in the, in the course of a year and a half, he loses six loved ones, right, including his wife. And then he goes in the hospital, and like his intestinal lining was like falling apart, and he almost died. And, and he's just sharing his story. And, and I'm just like, wow, this is, this is heavy. And his whole story was about praising God, you know, through the circumstance. But he said something in that testimony. He said a line that I will never forget. And this is, this is what I want to kind of zero in on a little bit this morning to kick us off. He said, a circumstance is the circle that I stand in. A circumstance is the circle that I have to stand in. And I thought about that and I thought, wow, that is really really accurate because I can't seem to pay rent, but they're balling. 
I feel lonely, but they got a lot of followers. Come on. I, I can't seem to get my career together. I'm not talking about just me personally. Okay, that'd be a really, really sad testimony this morning. But, but, like, but they seem to, to have it all. You know, I, I'm on my second divorce, but they're ha- okay. this is the circle that I'm standing in. It's not the circle they're standing in. It's the circle that I have to stand in. How true is that? A circumstance is the circle that I have to stand in. It's what I'm going through. You see, other people have to use their empathy. I've got the experience. Other people have to use their imagination, right? Uh, But I'm the living illustration, okay? Other people have to wonder how it would feel like, but I've got the pain. It's the circle that I'm standing in. I thought about that pastor. I thought in the same year he loses six loved ones, we have our twin babies and we invite two new lives in. For me, it was a wonderful year for him. It's the circle that he had to stand in. For all of us at different points in our lives, we're gonna be standing in different circles. We're gonna be standing in different circumstances. This is one reason the Bible says, mourn with those who mourn, and rejoice with those who rejoice. The Bible is recognizing people stand in different circles. Sometimes life is amazing and rejoice with them. Be the body, be the community, which we gotta be honest, when I'm standing in my circle, it's really hard to celebrate you, right? We can all be like that a little bit, right? But then also mourn with those who mourn. When when someone's standing in a circle, I want to be with them so they're not solo in the circle. But we all stand in different circles. A circumstance is the circle that I'm standing in. In Matthew, not everybody was in the boat, but the disciples were in the boat. They were in the circle in that moment. Everybody else was on dry land. Jesus had the 70, had the multitudes. They were safe. They were on dry land. These 12, they're standing in a circle. They're standing in a circle. Now, the rest of the next 20 minutes, where is God in my circumstance? Where is God when you're standing in a circle? And man, you better believe life will give you some circles to stand in. You're all old enough to know that you're gonna be standing in some, some circles. Where is God in my circumstance? Deuteronomy 31, the first point I wanna to make today, God is present with you. We so quickly forget this. Deuteronomy 31, be strong and courageous, do not fear, or be in dread of them, for it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Who was with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Who was that fourth man in the fire? It was God. Who was with Daniel in the lion's den to shut the mouths? It was the angel. It was God. Who was with David in the caves, whose presence was comforting him as he's writing psalms and running for his life? Who was with Joseph in jail and giving him favor? Who was with Mary and Joseph as they fled to Egypt with baby Jesus? And who was with Paul in prison, his chains fell off, it was God. And who's with you in your circle in 2023? God. 
We call it omniscience in theology. It means God is present everywhere, right? He's, he's all-knowing. He's all-seeing. He's, he's present. Funny little thing about circumstances that the presence of Jesus doesn't mean the absence of a storm. God, if you're with me, why would you ever let me experience a storm? Don't you love me? You will go through storms in life. And the presence of a storm doesn't mean the absence of Jesus. Because we stand in our storms, God, where did you go? It doesn't mean he's absent. He's right there. In Matthew 6, they're in the boat. They experience a storm, and Jesus is right there, fast asleep. But he is there. He's present. God, where, where are you? John 14, 15, one of my favorite verses in all the Bible Jesus said, if you love me, show it by doing what I've told you to do. I will talk to the Father, and he'll provide you another friend that you will always have someone with you. This friend is the spirit of truth. The godless world can't take him in because it doesn't have eyes to see him, doesn't know what to look for, but you know him already because he's been staying with you and will be even in you. I will not leave you orphaned. This is Jesus talking about the Holy Spirit. He will never leave you or forsake you. Any circle you stand in, he is going to be standing with you. God will never leave you. Number two, God is aware. God is aware of the circle that you are standing in. Nothing happens to me that God doesn't know about first, which is somewhat of a comforting and a frustrating thought at the same time. If I'm, if I'm honest, I'm going to unpackage this a little bit. But nothing takes God by surprise. Nothing can happen to me without God first knowing that it's going to happen. FDR said a little quote that I like so much. He said, there's nothing to fear but fear itself. Nothing to fear but, but fear itself, right? In, in this passage, the word suddenly is used. I've had the chance to go to Israel. I was on the Sea of Galilee, and there's mountains that kind of surround that sea. And so it's easy to imagine how a storm could come up quickly, and especially if that storm was at night, that thing could sneak up on them suddenly. That all of a sudden, you think everything is good, and then all of a sudden, it's not good. And it happened quick. If you were here a couple weeks ago, we came home from vacation, we opened the garage door, and the garage is raining. I didn't see that coming. The AC pipe plugged, everything floods, you know, half the garage ceiling is ripped up now and talking to insurance and what a thing. It was a suddenly. You know what I've come to realize is children love surprises. Adults don't like them because most of our surprises are not the good kinds, right? Like suddenly this happened. I wouldn't be afraid if I could see it coming. Right? If I knew the garage was going to rain, I would have come home a little bit earlier, Jesus. But it was open the garage and it was suddenly, there's a rain shower in my garage. Suddenly, it fell apart. Suddenly, I got fired. Suddenly, this happened. Like, I didn't think it was going to happen. The seas looked calm. What happened? Now, I'm afraid. If I could see it coming, I wouldn't be afraid but I can't see it coming, and now I'm freaked out. Isn't this funny, though? We're good until we get snuck up on. Suddenly, the storm came. Here's a sneaky thing about Jesus, 
And I'm going to try to unpackage this so it, so it makes sense. If it doesn't, let's go out for coffee and I'll try to explain it better. Jesus invited them on the boat, but he didn't give them all the information. He invited them on the boat to take the journey across the Sea of Galilee, but he doesn't give them all the information. I have to wonder that Jesus knew the storm was coming, and then he chose to take a nap anyway. He knew the storm was coming. He knew he had power to calm the storm, and so he just chooses to go to sleep anyway, but he also chooses not to tell the disciples Hey guys, in about four hours, don't worry, a storm's coming, don't freak out, I'll talk to it, blah, blah, blah. Just, you know, I'm taking a nap. He invites them on the journey, but he doesn't give them all the information. What a picture of the Christian life. You've invited me on this journey, but you didn't give me all the information. Why does God do this in our lives? He's invited us on the journey. We know where we're supposed to go. He said us what we're going to do, but he doesn't give me all those details. I think it's because Jesus wants me to learn to trust him and not just information. Because if God gave us information, our faith would be in information. Come on, let's be honest as adults. We love information. Don't hide nothing. Give me everything on paper. Tell me exactly what's going to happen. Let me control everything. Then I'll be successful. Right? We like this. I don't, I don't need no secrets, Jesus. Give me the information. Tell me how it's going to go down, when it's going to go down, and tell me how the heck I'm going to get out of it. Because when you're standing in a circumstance, what, what do we start asking? How the heck did I get here? Why is it so miserable here? And how do I get out of here? Right? That's what we start asking when we're in a situation. Like, how did I get here? Where did this thing come from? I hate this. How do I get out of here? Right? It seems that God wants me to learn to trust him and not just information. It seems that he wants me to learn to love him and not just information. See, my personality, I'm a big planner. I'm a big controller. I'm a big goal setter. I like everything in order. And I like all the information. When we planted this church in 2018, I fundraised personally over $200,000. I worked my face off. Do you know how hard it is to fundraise? It's terrible. It is absolutely one of the worst things on the planet. They say the top three fears for human beings are public speaking, asking for money, and drowning. Pastors do two of those three things every single week. This is why we don't have good mental health, okay? Like, no, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm messing. I'm messing a little bit. It was so challenging. We scraped it all together. We planted the church. It was going for a year, and this little thing called COVID shows up and shuts us all down. You better believe I'm saying you couldn't have given me a heads up. I could have taken a two-year vacation. Then I would have done it. Like, it's all shut down. It's all out of my control. You couldn't have just said, hey, it's, something's coming. You know, I was, play, I was running, running. It, it, South Florida is so funny. The week before COVID broke out, we were all partying and having fun. And then, like, in two days, we're like, like every, you know, it was so, we're so funny here. It's just, I didn't see it coming. You ever had something just, 
You didn't see it coming, man. You just did not see it coming. God wants you to learn to trust him. Isn't it funny? When they wake him up, he says, why did you have such little faith? In other words, you thought this boat was going down while I was in it? You, you thought we weren't going to get to where I said we were going to get to? You see, now I wouldn't change anything because through it all, my faith grew so much, I've realized how hard it is to sink something when God is in it. And I've realized the power isn't in the boat. The power isn't in my sailing skills. The power is in Christ. And when Christ is in it, that has a really, really good chance of floating. Right? Come on, somebody. God is with you in the circle you stand in. And if you're a believer today, the Holy Spirit is in you. And I believe you are going to go where God says you're going to go. I believe you're going to get to where God says you're going to get to. Come on. I just say amen. Even if you halfway believe this, he's in the boat. If he's in the boat, it's going to be really hard to sink that boat. He says, y'all, why did you get so scared? Isn't it so easy for us when we're standing in the circle? We tend to put more faith in the storm to sink us than we do Christ to save us. Because when we get scared, when it suddenly happens, when we go from calm waters to stormy and we're like, ah, we put so much faith in the storm's ability to sink. And we forget all about his ability to save. And he's like, yo, like, you had faith in the storm. Why didn't you put any faith in me? Like, like I'm, you know, I'm, nat- I'm napping for a reason, y'all. But he is sneaky. God will develop you in sneaky ways. Jesus won't tell you everything that's going to happen this year or next year or the next five years. And I really don't like that about him. I'm going to be honest. I don't like that. I've been following him for 20 years, and I don't like that. I'm like, I like all the information. But I'm learning, and I've learned a lot. Just trust him. Just trust him. Trust him. What does he want to do in my life and through me? Trust him. Because he's not done yet. And if he's in my boat, it's going to be really, really hard to sink this boat. So just chill out. Right? I love this. If God is asking you to trust him without giving you all the information, you're in really, really good hands. This is what he's done to every single believer everywhere of all times. This is how our faith began. Abraham is the father of our faith, right? God, what does God do? He shows up to Abraham. Abraham, pack everything up and let's go. Great God, where are we going? To a place I will show you. If you're in here this morning and you're living like Abraham, you're like, I don't really know where I'm going. God just said he's going to show me. You're in good hands. This is how God started this whole faith journey, and it's how he's kept the whole faith journey going. He does not give us all the information. He called David to be king. He never told him about the caves. He called Joseph to be this great ruler and stand up ever. He never told him about the prison in Potiphar's house. God doesn't give all the bad news. And it's frustrating because I'd be like, hey, that would help. If you told me the bad things that were going to happen, I could prepare for it. He wants me to trust him through it. So I learned not even this can sink the boat because you're in the boat. It is really, really hard to defeat a Christian totally. You could make every dumb wrong move from here on for the next 20 years and you still die and go to heaven. You're still going to win forever. Guys, your victory is just a matter of time. It's not an if. It's a matter of time. That's a good thought.
We don't fight for victory. We fight from victory because Christ has already won the victory. He's already won the victory. So he's saying, trust me, let's, let's go. It's just, let's grow your faith. Let me walk you through some things. The only way to grow muscle is get to the gym and take that muscle to a point of tearing, and then it grows. The only way to grow your faith is let you experience some things and then walk you through it. There have been times in my life God has led me to places, and then he's left me in those places. <laughs> he led me to the boat, and then he left me in the boat. I'll never forget, I was in my 20s. I was a youth pastor, three years, four years youth ministry. It was awesome. It was great. God put on my heart to start kind of this traveling missions ministry and get going. And I knew it was God. Like, I knew it was God leading me. And I step out into it. And that was 2008, 2009. Within one month, we lost half of our financial partners. I could barely pay the house payment. All I could feed my poor little wife was rice and, like, just rice. Like, we, people would actually call us, but, hey, you want to come over for dinner? We're like, oh, thank God. <laughs> like, yes, we want to come over. We would love to see you. Do you want us to bring anything? Oh, just bring yourselves. You're like, thank God, because I got, I got nothing but rice this week. Like, there were some tight, tight months, man. And you know what God did? He led me to this boat, and he left me in this boat. Every week I'm praying, how do I run this ministry, how do I reach people and, you know, just pay the mortgage? Like, what the heck, you know? This was back in the day. We, we lived in Oklahoma at the time. I bought my house. Are you ready for this? This will break your heart. Three-bedroom house, full brick, beautiful backyard, two-car garage, $140,000. Beautiful, beautiful backyard, beautiful subdivision, $140,000. You know how much the mortgage was? $800. If I took what I bought my house for a few years ago, and I did buy right before COVID, thank God, because now, you know, if you don't have a house now, God be with you. I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what to tell you, honestly. I got no advice now for us in South Florida. And uh, I heard Tesla's working on some micro homes for like 15,000. I'm like, maybe that's our answer. I don't know. No, I don't know. But I couldn't pay it. It was, could have been $8,000. I had nothing coming in. Couldn't even do 800 bucks. And I'm praying every single week, why have you left me? Why have you led me here? Do you hate me now? What did I do? Why aren't you talking to me? You ever talk to God and God just never talks back? I always wonder, like, I wonder how long it took him to wake up Jesus. <laughs> like, how long did he just sleep? Maybe he just opened an eye. I was like, I'm going to close it for five more seconds, see what they do. Like, maybe he's just growing their faith. God led me there, but then he left me there. Things like jealousy began to rise like they'd never risen before. I saw other young ministers and how good they were doing, and I was mad. Oh, I was mad. I was mad. I wish I could say I wasn't. I wish I could say I was more developed at that point, but oh, I was mad. I was insecure. I was so insecure. Oh, I needed that pat on the back. I needed that check. I needed that partner. I was so insecure. God led me there, and then he left me there. I, I was so afraid of the lack of money. I grew up, my parents are, are well off now, but growing up, I grew up pretty poor. We grew up in a mobile home. Uh, you know, my friends would call me white trash those first 10 years, which is a terrible thing to say. But, but you know, I, I remember shopping at Walmart. Most of my friends had Jordans. I had Jordashes. Remember that back in the day? If you couldn't afford Jordans, you had Jordashes. I was in sweatpants and Jordashes, and I didn't, I didn't have a good self-esteem growing up. 
I really didn't. I was bullied. It was, it was rough, man. I just, it was a struggle. We had to throw a couch out once because it had mice in it. I mean, we grew, up, we grew up a little rocky there for a while. My dad is a hard worker. He's a wonderful man. I, but, you know, there was a season it was rough. I was so afraid of the lack of money. So afraid of the lack of money. It was the circle I was standing in. God led me to the boat. He led me there, and then he left me there. He left me there for an entire year. And you know what happened after that year? I wasn't so afraid of the lack of money. I wasn't so insecure. Somebody could say that was an amazing message or that I could have gone on for the next week. I, I survived. I wasn't so jealous. I learned to celebrate the people that are ahead of me. Here's the nasty thing about jealousy. Jealousy will cause you to hate on the people you should really be learning from. And if I'm just hating on them and, you know, dogging them and bad-mouthing them, you know, I'm, I'm not building a kind relationship with them and I'm not learning from them, and I probably should be. Jealousy often exposes where God wants to take us, but it's our, often our attitude, right, determines that aptitude, right? Like God's like, hey, I'll get you there, but you got to change in here a little bit, right? And so I just was jealous, and I, I got to get over that and realize what God is doing in me looks different than what God is doing in other people. We're all on our own journey. Somebody looks like they're far away, but, you know, five years, that might disappear. But if God can develop some character in you, and he'll take you somewhere places even better. Come on, this is really good teaching this morning. Like, this is really, really good. I want to help some of you out, right? Because you're standing in a circle, and you're like, man, he's led me here, and now he's left me here, and I'm mad at him, right? And God worked all these insecurities, right? Paul talks about this. He's like, man, we, we've got troubles on the outside, and we've got fears on the inside. I was like, boy, that's it right there. God's working on the outside, but he's working on the inside. I got junk in me, and I got junk around me. God, I, I just, you've led me here, and you left me here because you want me to grow in relationship with you. You know, I'm not nearly as jealous as I used to be. Now I'm not even jealous at all because I got four kids. I'm like, you know, I can't even work, honestly. I got kids. I just, if I sleep eight hours, I'm happy. You know, like, it's different. Now I got different goals now. James 1 says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you might be mature and complete, not lacking anything. How does God grow me? He leads me, and then he leaves me. <laughs> he allows me to experience the boat and the storms and the suddenlies, and he doesn't save me in five seconds. He lets me face my insecurities and my jealousies and my fears, but he's with me. He's aware of it, but he's letting me experience the storm and the boat. He's invited me, but he doesn't give me all the information. Why? Because he's growing my faith. He's growing my character. He's growing my trust in him. He's growing the depth of our relationship. Last one. I'll get you out of here. Where is God in my circumstance? God is working. God is working. I want to leave you with this. God is moving. The Bible is full, literally packed full of stories of God doing miraculous, incredible, working things for people. God is active. We do not serve a passive wooden idol. This is the separating factor. It really is, okay? This is what separates this thing from everything else. Our God is active. He is a healing God. 
He can restore your mind. He can heal your marriage. Come on, somebody. He can help your family. He can put your emotions back together. You can blow up your life, and he will help you put it back together. Our God is an active God. You can feel his presence in worship. You can be impacted by his word. You can trust him and watch him do something you never thought was possible. The Bible is full of activity. And it's not just one person having this great experience with God. It's many people saying, man, I was in a mess, but God. God came through for this and this person and that person and this person and that person. And if we started talking today and started sharing testimonies, you'd be like, whoa, God came through for Kevin and Jordano and Brian and Ben and me. Like we just start talking and start realizing this God is an active and working God. This is the thing that separates us from everybody else. We have an active God who actually shows up in this thing we call reality. He is a living, breathing, active God. And he'll lead you, and he'll leave you sometimes. And it's not fun. And you'll experience storms. But he will never leave you nor forsake you. He's also remembered you. Come on. Like, he's going to show up. And when he does, it's good. He's good. He's faithful to his promises. And if you need reminded crack, open that Bible and just read how he showed up and 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 be like, you know what? Yeah, he's not forgotten me. And I'll tell you what, that year in 08, 09, I'm so grateful for that year because that gave me the faith to face COVID. Because I'm like, you know what, God, you didn't tell me about the crash, but you got me through it. You didn't tell me about COVID, but now you got me through it. Now my faith has grown so much. Now I'm grateful I didn't have the information because I trust him so much more. And I realize, you know what? Yeah, this is hard to sink because of Jesus. You know, 18 years of marriage, it's hard to sink. Why? Because Christ is in the center. You want to know the secret to 18 years of, of, of still being married and not getting choked out by your wife? Jesus. <laughs> Jesus. Come on, I got twin toddlers, man. Like, how do I have my brain? Jesus. Jesus, man. God is working. Romans 8, we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him and who've been called according to his purpose. Funny thing about storms is storms limit sight, don't they? I grew up in the north where we had these crazy snowstorms. You couldn't see 10 feet in front of you sometimes. Couldn't see five feet in front of you. Why? It's a storm. It's blocked my vision. But I have the faith to say, Jesus, you're working in places I can't see. I got a storm. I got to batten down the hatches. I can't see 10 feet in front of me, but I trust in faith that you're working around something good right around the corner. I know that you're not just going to leave me here, right? Come on, that there's more for my life. It is the circle I'm currently standing in, but you can do something. And so I trust that you're working and you're working all things for good. You know, a little trip back to our rainy garage. It looks like we're going to get a new bathroom out of the deal. And I'm like, hey, all right, like, renovate this bathroom. Okay, like, God, you're working something good. Got a rainy garage, but I'll get a new bathroom. That's okay, I'll take it. He's working all things for my good. Do you believe today that God is working in ways and areas you can't see right now? I got my first job because somebody was talking good about me behind my back. Y'all want people to talk good about you behind your back? 
I like to sow seeds all the time like that. I on purpose talk good about people behind their back. Even if they're not good, that good, I'll pick on like one thing that they are good at and I'll talk about that. Like, I just like to sow that seed. I had somebody talking good about me behind my back and it landed my first job. You know, God is doing something. He's working on things I cannot currently see. When we were going through COVID, we couldn't see this. We didn't even know about this space. See, we're showing up today for people who haven't even shown up yet. Come on, we planted a church that people haven't been born yet. All this is, so much of our life is done in faith. God is doing something I cannot see and it's just a matter of time. Everything God does, I'm going to wind down with this, in my life is cemented in love, based on grace, and received by faith. Cemented in love, based on grace, and received by faith. This is how God moves in our life. As, as we close, here's what I want you to do this week. I want you to get a holy imagination. I want you to dream a little bit with the Holy Spirit. I, I want you just to kind of plan and goal set with the Holy Spirit this week, Okay. If you're currently in a circle and in a situation, what could God do to get you over? What could God do to get you to sneak underneath that thing? What could God do to just break the chain and get you right through it and make a way where there seemed to be no way? What could the Holy Spirit do for you in this next month to get you out of the circle you're currently standing in? Now, he might wait three months and work on your insecurity, but he's present, he's aware, come on somebody, and he is working. So he might lead you and leave you, but he will come back and bless you. The disciples did not go down in that boat that day. Why? Because he's with them. He's with them. You are very hard to sink because of Christ. Let me pray for you really quick. Heavenly Father, we love you. I love this church. I love the people that are here. Lord, just the marriages, the families, the, the people, the careers, the callings that are all are represented today. God, I believe we needed this message to hear that you are with us and you're working. And God, we all experience circumstances. We all stand in circles we don't want to be in. But God, you've not left us alone. You're with us. You're working on us. You're working through us. You're working around the corner where we can't see yet. Father, I thank you for making a way for us today where there seems to be no way. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thanks again for checking out our podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe. Share with a few friends. Thanks for helping us make Jesus famous right here in South Florida. Again, if you're in the Fort Lauderdale area, we'd love to see you sometime. Or as always, visit us online, citylift.church. Have an amazing day.